I'm here so I won't get fined. Touchdown, Shabba Lubba Hub! Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup, oh, blocked by James! You leveled us, way to go, cupcake. I got the gift of gab and the gift of jab, and I'll put that lazy eye right back to work. Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton? Awful. Put me anywhere in the world and it's going off. Because I am the Gypsy King. I am Tyson Fury. Remember the name. I do exactly what I want to do. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. And now, Any Given Podcast with your host, Brendan Ward. You know, for someone that watches sports a great deal, and I mean a great deal, literally every night I stop watching anything I'm binging, anything on Netflix, anything on Hulu, and watch some type of sporting event, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, something. Just that live event is something that always gets me going, gets me excited, allows me to do what I do here. And to have gone without live sports for a couple weeks now, it's it's been a transition. It's been hard to kind of want to talk about it because once I talk about the little that actually has been going on, it's been a little hard. But nevertheless, here we are. And we've made it to episode 10. I wasn't sure when I started this I would ever get this far. And I'm so happy, very happy. I can't really put into words how excited I am that we've made it this far. And I only want to continue going forward. But hello, everybody, and welcome to Any Given Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Ward. Today, we'll get into a little what I am currently watching, seeing how that sports are not really happening. NFL free agency is still happening. And don't you worry, we'll get into that. We'll talk about all the big name guys that have been signing and stuff like that. And exactly what has happened with the NFL over the last week or so since free agency opened, especially with the Browns. Then we'll get into some of the bigger name guys. But I wanted to go into the Tiger King documentary that Netflix released earlier in the in the month, I should say. Joe Exotic, if you haven't heard, is a exotic zoo owner. He started with majorly the majority of them being big cats, uh, tigers and lions and stuff like that. However, he he added crocodiles and monkeys and he owned a zoo down in Oklahoma and basically ran it for a while. Uh, he describes himself as a gay gun-toting redneck who owns exotic animals and... If you haven't seen it yet, I 100% suggest that you do. It's the one of the craziest documentary type shows that I have ever watched. It's something that I watched in one in one sitting. I started it at 6 a.m. a couple days ago and finished it before 4 p.m. I just was like, all right, I've got nothing to do. Let's go ahead and jump into this real quick. I woke up really early for some reason and was like, why not? And so I started watching it and it was, in one word, fantastic. In another word, strange, to go even further, just the entire time you're going to ask yourself, what in the hell am I watching? How can something be this dysfunctional? And, and you're really just going to be completely enamored with exactly what happens throughout the entire show. I'm not going to give too many details about it just because I don't want to spoil it only two weeks in. Now, I know I was one of, I was behind the eight ball on watching it, but there's still quite a few people. And I know a couple people that listen to my show that still haven't seen it. And I, I feel like it's just a fantastic show. But anyways, Joe Exotic 
probably my favorite character on the show, a gay redneck who took advantage of some people because he had the money to supply them with drugs and whatever basically they wanted and then he got some fame and he got some online fame and he ends up doing some things in his in his hometown that make you question like what really is going on down there in Oklahoma the fact that this guy uh, I'll give you one thing the fact that this guy ran for governor and actually received 19% of the votes and looked for a little bit like he might have had a legitimate shot at winning the governor of Oklahoma and that's what like like seriously like what the hell is Oklahoma doing <laughs> and you don't really get why I'm saying what the hell is Oklahoma doing but you will if you watch it it's just back and forth for those of you that have watched it carol baskin definitely killed her husband you can't tell me otherwise you can't be like oh well maybe he really did just take off and disappear no she fed that man to lions and told you she did on the documentary literally the line was you know uh perfume won't really do anything it'll just make them make the tigers drool if you really wanted the tigers to eat a human you should douse them or rub them in sardine oil she knew and i guarantee you she just told you exactly how she got those tigers to eat her husband bone and all bone and all now i get uh, the others in the show are very far from innocent in all means and i'm not saying free joe exotic i don't know if he deserves to be out because he did some crazy shit throughout the entire show but transitioning because i don't want to continue in the, the tiger king documentary i just want to recommend checking it out i don't want to give too many spoilers but continuing on to the next show that i started watching this week narcos now i'm a big fan of learning about historic drug lords historic serial killers stuff like that just Things that interest me are shows that can go very deep because the story has already been told. And Narco starts around starts in Colombia with Pablo Escobar, and I've only made it through the first season and a half, but I just wanted to question why nobody had ever really told me about it, aside from my cousin Ian. And I mean, he told me it was great, but I was still a little skeptical. I mean, he hasn't really steered me wrong, but when only one person tells you about it, you start to think like, maybe it's not that good. Maybe it's not something like I've heard some things but nobody told me that this thing would be the level to where i'm only a season and a half in and i think it has the potential to be one of the greatest shows of all time the first season was so good the the actor that plays pablo escobar yes it involves a great deal of reading and paying attention because most of the dialogue is in spanish so you're gonna need subtitles here in america but still a fantastic show if you can handle reading subtitles i a hundred percent recommend it because it's gonna keep you on the edge of your seat 24 7 every time you watch it just because because of Pablo Escobar. They are literally telling exactly kind of what went down with Pablo Escobar, starting with how he came into becoming the king of cocaine over in Colombia, how he became top 10 richest people in all of the world. Just, just, and he's so intelligent and they, they, they outline that and they outline everything. The ones, the one thing that kind of got me and I was like, okay, they're pretty staying true to form. I don't know if you guys have heard this story, but Pablo Escobar didn't really care about money. And people, people always say the story is that he didn't care about money so much that one night his daughter was cold and they didn't have firewood. So he set fire to a million dollars just so she would stay warm. And that really, they, they put that scene in the most recent episode that I watched. And like, I know Escobar probably is going to die at some point, And I'm not sure where the story goes from that. But even people that I've talked to now that I've watched it, season three is just as good. Escobar, if you don't know, ended up dying by gunshot wound in 1993. But the fact that like some of the things that he was able to pull off as a criminal, 
I'm telling is a criminal. He literally got voted in to the state Senate in Colombia. And then, then they found his mugshot and was like, okay, no, you're not, I, I'm asking you for your resignation. And that basically set Pablo off. Now he was setting fire and blowing things up. He, he, t he, he, he personally killed numerous cops numerous politicians he's attacked the president he tried blowing up the president's plane just some of the things that pablo escobar was able to pull off and then for them to have him dead to rights and him to just continue to wage this war against the Columbia senate so he wouldn't be extradited to the united states who originally wanted him was just fantastic and they put it all on screen great greatly and pablo escobar was always intriguing to me because i knew all of this stuff about him so to watch it play out on screen has been fantastic i knew and then la catedra I don't know if you guys know the story behind La Catedra, but everything I've been telling you, he was supposed to be extradited to the United States, but because he waged this war and was had zero remorse, had no problems killing whoever spoke ill will about him or his family or the people that worked for him, he took him out. He had no ill will, he had no remorse towards any of these guys, and he was able to actually negotiate a deal where he was allowed to build his own jail. And not only that, he was able to build it how however he wanted, where he wanted to put it, and no cop was allowed within two miles of the jail. Now that didn't last very long, obviously, because now that he had his kind of own free reign over in his little corner, his own guards that he paid to hire, paid to work at the jail, basically he had free reign of his own little castle. He wasn't allowed out of the castle, but he had free reign of his own little castle. And then until the government decided, oh no, we really need him. And I'm not sure, like Columbia found peace in that and it really worked for Columbia, but the United States in the show kept pushing back. The DEA kept pushing back. Why is this guy doing all this? Why was this guy granted all this? And it was just like, in the United States, shut up. For the first time in 30 years, Colombia is at peace and they've got their own peace. Why don't you just take your ass home? Like, I, I, I'm i not going to get into the United States DEA back in 89 and 93, but... I, Something that was the one thing that frustrates me about the show. You guys finally found this piece that could have just been the end of it. I get like the reason they stayed stayed around was because he continued his drug trade and stuff like that, and that's why I just think. And like I said, I know he's eventually gonna die. I just don't want that to happen. Unfortunately, it's got me invested in the show, and I want five more seasons of nothing but Pablo Escobar and the chase to find him because it's just been really that good. But enough with entertainment. I just wanted to kind of let you guys know what I'm watching, so like give you guys ideas. Also, please send me ideas because I'm I'm at home too with the rest of you guys listening to this. I'm stuck basically. I can't really do anything myself. Nobody's hiring. I need to find a job. Nobody's hiring. That's why I'm doing this. Maybe I can make money off of this. Maybe I can come here. Maybe I can come do that. I'm trying to create all this content and I'm creating videos and I'm creating podcasts and I'm doing audio and I'm doing spots and stuff like that, but I'm going nuts. So I need to find some of that entertainment to watch to kind of have my back in, 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 in those holes and stuff like that. So give me your suggestions. I, I always take suggestions because I'm not going to know every single show is good. You tell me it's good and I'll watch it. Ask I, Dexter. I didn't know how good it would be. My, my little sister told me about it and guess what? One of my favorite shows of all time, The Office. I waited 10 years to watch The Office. Now it's one of the greatest shows I've ever watched. It may not be my favorite show because my favorite show of all time is Parks and Recreations, but still a great show. I always take suggestions because I, I, what do I know? If I watch a trailer, sometimes trailers don't intrigue me and I'm not going to get into an entire series based on a two minute trailer because it's going to show me the good pieces, but it's not going to show me where it falls off. All Americans a really good show, but it's only got two seasons. You're going to invest in it and you're going to be done in a day. So maybe give me suggestions like, and out of the box suggestions, I've seen all the good ones. I've seen Breaking Bad. I've seen Sons of Anarchy. I've seen Game of Thrones. I've seen all the big name ones that 
say, guys, talk about what are these underrated? I've heard Ozark is really good. I've heard other things are really good. I just give me, give me the out of out of the box ones. Like I said, Breaking Bad. I could watch the spinoff. I've never watched Better Call Saul, but I've heard it was it was stagnant. It wasn't it wasn't as good as Breaking Bad. You're gonna be left disappointing, hoping you're getting Breaking Bad and you get Saul in court fighting a domestic violence case or some crap like that. I, I haven't really watched it, so I can't really say that's exactly what happened, but you know what I'm saying. I want I want good shows. I want something I can invest in, something I'm going to give my attention to now that I'm I'm stuck giving my attention to it. I, I mean, I can I can only do so many podcasts a week. I can only make, speaking of, sorry for taking off last week. It was, like I said, at the beginning of this, really hard to talk about sports in the midst of the only thing going on is NFL free agency. And yes, I, I want to talk about NFL free agency, but I wanted to wait until it kind of settled down. I wanted to give you all of the free agency, not necessarily. That was... I would have released this on day one of free agency. You would have got the three people the Browns signed immediately. You wouldn't have got Tom Brady's decision, which I'll eventually give you later in the episode. You wouldn't know where Phillip Rivers was going to be playing next year if I would have did it last week. So I wanted to, those big name free agents waited a little bit to sign and I wanted to make sure I get those for you. But I also want to talk about some of the people that haven't signed and let's transition into that. Let's go ahead and go into the Cleveland Browns and what they have done in free agency because I think they have been the biggest players in free agency and the most improved team since free agency happened aside from maybe the team that Tom Brady went to because he's the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. The Browns have signed roughly eight free agents um, and I'm sure they'll add some more people prior to the draft. We'll get into that as well. I, I still, I'll make up my pick that I missed last week for the draft, but we'll get there with the NFL saying they still want to go with the draft. Now the Browns signed three top name big free agents jack conklin to solidify their right side of the line three years 42 million dollars 30 guaranteed then they signed austin hooper tight end to the richest tight end contract in history now it is right now the richest contract in tight end history but it won't be for long that's that's the way these contracts work you you get paid and you set the market basically for the next guy so obviously i'm not sure austin hooper is the best tight end in all of football however he was next up to get paid he was the best tight end there was in free agency this year and it was and it's basically it was on him to take that and run with it and try to get as much money as possible so they could set these markets here's i'll I'll, i want to talk about the market later and then they added backup quarterback case keenum on a three-year 18 million dollar 10 guaranteed just to back up baker mayfield give him that veteran presence that he's kind of lacked last year he had gilbert garrett gilbert as his backup and then drew stanton doesn't really push anybody the year before was the third string i mean yeah yeah tyrod taylor but he had to take tyrod taylor's job and then i'm not too sure how much of a relationship they had after that his rookie year so excited to see how case keenum helps baker the ultimate professional he did i i can't i i hate that team in washington but he he was he the the way they bungled the entire quarterback situation last year with Dwayne Haskins and himself and the way he handled it was just just was just really good and I think it could only be a testimony in what he can do to help Baker Mayfield yes Haskins didn't look that great but that's on Haskins that's why he fell the way he did in the draft in last year that's on Haskins Case Keenum can't give him the talent you got to work hard for that talent and then they added a couple one-year contracts Andrew Sadejo, BJ Goodson linebacker uh, Carl Joseph a safety Andrew Billings a defensive tackle and Kevin Johnson uh, coming to play like a nickel corner they wanted a sure tackler in Kevin Johnson all these one-year deals 
deals, as well as the three big names that they signed, are all very good deals. The way it's set up is that all these big contracts that they just handed out are going to be very little money when it's time to pay the younger guys, the Baker Mayfield, the the Miles Garrett. Those guys, when it's time for those guys to get paid, they're not going to have to pay these guys they just signed that big of money. While, yes, Conklin and Keenum and Hooper will still be on the roster, they front-loaded those contracts and stuff like that. And it just speaks to the attestment of Andrew Barry and Paul De Podesta and how taking that analytical look on, hey, when are we going to have to pay the guys that in-house, the Baker Mayfield, especially if, obviously, if he fumbles again this season and struggles again this season, it's not going to be, that That might not be the biggest worry because then the worry is, well, do we move on? Miles Garrett has looked nothing but like he deserves to be paid when it's time. So with that, that's how the Browns did in free agency. And like I said, I think they are the most improved team there is in free agency just because they they came in with the biggest the best strategy I should say what they did is they identified every single need that team needed except for left left tackle and filled it and there's still options for left tackle Trent Williams said last week that he wants out of Washington now I'm still I'm sure Washington's still asking for an arm and a leg for him but they need eventually they'll be like okay well we're not going to get anything for him and then he's just going to walk and then we just paid this guy his guaranteed money for two years for no reason so maybe they'll trade him for a third or fourth more more towards the draft but that's when that's when the Browns will basically take advantage of it they're not going to pull the trigger on Trent Williams if it's going to cost them number 10 this year or whatever first round pick next year or even a second round pick I don't think they're willing to go as high higher than a third round pick on Trent Williams and I don't think I would be either a guy coming off an injury sat out all of last year just because he wanted to be paid more I understand why Washington didn't want to pay him but I also understand why nobody really wants to trade for him because it's really relatively unknown on how good he's really going to be yes when he is healthy he's one of the best left tackles in football but the key is when he's healthy and he hasn't been healthy or on a field in almost two two years. I can't really attest to wanting to give somebody a second round pick for a guy that hasn't seen live action in almost two years. Can't fault the Browns for that. I do think he'd be a big, great pickup for him. I don't know if he's your long-term answer, but if you don't want to spend number 10 on a left tackle already, then I think it, it could be a good pickup for you. Now there's other guys you could try to chase. There's other free agents you could try to chase to fill that hole instead of doing it in the draft. But most people seem to think that the Browns are going to take 10 in a draft, take a tackle at 10 in the draft, but we'll see. And I, like I said, we'll get into the draft a little bit later with the NFL wanting to continue it. I'm still going to give you my picks and I'll make up from last week. I'll give you what the Miami do, Dolphins do at five and what the Los Angeles Chargers do at six. What I believe they're going to do, obviously I don't know what they're going to do, so I'm not going to, we're not reporting. It's a mock draft. That's what I'm doing here, guys. I'm not here to speculate or tell you exactly what's going to happen because I'm not a psychic. I can't see in the future. I can't time travel. I'm sorry. But big name, big name free agents. Let's go ahead and get into that. Now, the biggest name that was out there was Tom Brady. Two weeks ago, we weren't sure whether or not he was going to stay in New England, go somewhere else, retire. There were so many unknowns about what Tom Brady wanted to do. All we could do was speculate. We could speculate that when he put his house for sale in the Boston area, that he didn't want to be there. When when he, when everyone thinks that Giselle wants to go down to Miami or California and live the lifestyle she's always wanted to live as a bikini model and stuff like that, then you speculate. But really, how could Tom Brady leave a team where he's won six Super Bowls, where he built a legacy, where I sit here 
here and tell you he's the greatest of all time. And I hate the New England Patriots. I've always disliked the New England Patriots, but you can't deny it anymore. It's not the LeBron versus Michael Jordan debate. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And if you want to continue to argue it, just look in the mirror and think what the hell you are doing because he's got six Super Bowls alone. That is tied for the lead for all team. He single-handedly has every single Super Bowl that organization has. Now it's not single-handedly because we you can make the argument who who really benefited the most. Was it Bill Belichick that benefited from Brady or was it Brady that benefited from Belichick because when Brady came into the league nobody really knew who he was. Well they knew who he was a quarterback at the University of Michigan that team up north and them scrubs up there. Screw those guys. But a six-round pick nobody really was looking at Tom Brady as a guy that was going to be the cornerstone of their piece. They were like, okay, if this guy happens to work out, then oh, he was getting paid pennies on the dollar compared to other guys. And then Bledsoe gets hurt. If Bledsoe doesn't get hurt, you probably don't know two of the best quarterbacks in in NFL history. If Bledsoe doesn't get hurt in New England, Tom Brady doesn't play. If Bledsoe doesn't get hurt in Dallas, Tony Romo doesn't play. Now, I, I just called Tony Romo one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. As a Cowboys fan, that's hard for me to say. I've seen him screw up so much. But if you look at pure stats, Tony Romo was Patrick Mahomes before... Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes. And I'll say it like this. Tony Romo put up the gaudy numbers, gunslinger mentality. The only thing is, is Tony Romo made the bad mistakes at the wrong time. And Mahomes does not seem to do that. But we're not going to talk about Tony Romo. We're not going to talk about Brady's time in New England. Aside from the fact that prior to him signing, he released a statement on Instagram saying he was done with New England. Now it became open game. Whoever wanted to give him money was able to call, be like, hey, this is what we want to give you. He, Tom Brady waited a couple days to couple days to sign however Tampa Bay finally gets him in and I I didn't really think about Tampa Bay as a as a potential landing spot like I knew they were going to lose their quarterback Jameis Winston they were they were probably moving on from him I for sure didn't think Tom Brady would want to go to Tampa Bay but it makes it kind of makes sense right two really good wide receivers on the outside a running back that had a really good year and a defense that was always in a bad spot Jameis Winston last year threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions first quarterback in in the NFL history to do that and then following following the year he says he gets surgery and he says that he never really could see while playing in the NFL first of all if you can't see while playing in the NFL that's probably something your NFL GM should know so that's kind of bad on him and it might be what's hurting his chances at signing because Jameis is still not signed with a team. Now, Brady to the Buccaneers. Daryl Ryder on 92.3 The Fan here in Cleveland the other day said that he didn't think the Buccaneers make the playoffs yesterday or this year. Uh, I don't know exactly when he said it, but it was quite a while ago, uh, basically right after Brady signed. I think that's just, uh, I'm not going to call him out, but I think that's kind of crazy. How does Brady go to a team that Winston almost put in the playoffs last year and not make it instantly better? Now, I know Brady is not going to put up 5,000 yards like Winston did, but Brady is a certified winner. He knows what it takes to win and look for Tampa Bay to be in the playoffs. And now the thing is, is like every team in that division, the NFC South, has gotten better. I would say the Saints were on top and they've kind of just stayed there. Tampa Bay's gotten better. Carolina, I think, has gotten better with not with Teddy Bridgewater now at, at their helm. Matt Rule taking over over there as the head coach. And Atlanta has gotten better. Adding Todd Gurley after the Rams released him. Now, Todd Gurley's been kind of up and down, but I, I, I think the motivation to show out for his hometown team that he is now being played for, I think, is just going to get better. They also got Hayden Hurst from Baltimore in, in a trade. So I think that team, now I don't know if Hayden Hurst is better than Austin Hooper, but I still think he's a serviceable option in comparison and he'll be okay. So Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay. The other intriguing quarterback signing was Phillip Rivers. Now, I thought Phillip Rivers was done. Everything, if 
but if you ask players around the league, they believe Philip Rivers has more left in the tank than Tom Brady does. Philip Rivers looked really atrocious last year in LA for the Chargers. He ends up signing this year with the Indianapolis Colts. They then release Brian Hoyer, who then signs with the New England Patriots. So Brian Hoyer could be the starter of the New England Patriots this year with their quarterback room looking like looking at Hoyer, Stidham, and Cody Kessler. So look for Brian Hoyer to maybe carry that flag and look for the Patriots maybe. Like they'll have a little bit of fall off, but I think Brian Hoyer could be a good fit in New England. And I think he could kind of like when he was pretty good, pretty decent here in Cleveland. I don't think Brian Hoyer is that bad of a quarterback. I think everybody kind of bags on Brian Hoyer for being that career backup, but he was sitting behind Tom Brady for most of his career. And when he came to Cleveland, he showed out and he showed he could do some things and then really hasn't really been given that chance. He looked pretty decent last year in Indianapolis after Brissett got hurt. My biggest my biggest concern with Indianapolis is what are they going to do with Jacoby Brissett now that they signed Phillip Rivers? Because obviously, I'm not sure Phillip signed as big of a deal as he did to come and sit. They want him to play. So what do you do with Brissett? Obviously, they thought that with what they seen last year from him, that just wasn't enough. I think the Phillip Rivers signing is a good signing. I think Rivers is passionate about football. I think he's going to bring that mentality to your team. And a team that already was a decent team they just kind of their 28 year old quarterback was like nah i'm good i'm done i just you i know you guys just waited on me for two years for this shoulder but i'm done and i thought really at one point he would be like hey, i'm done but i'm gonna go play in the xfl because as you know oliver luck is the commissioner of the xfl his father last couple of free agents melvin gordon as you know had the worst holdout i've ever seen from a running back i mean i know Le'Veon bell didn't get get as much money as he wanted but he still got a decent amount of money melvin gordon held out and then because the chargers suck he came back he was like no nah, i gotta help him win and now he got less money he continues to just not not get what he wants Ezekiel Elliott probably had the most successful holdout he held out the Cowboys paid him that's that's how it works you hold out in hopes that you get paid that didn't happen speaking of the Cowboys though Melvin Gordon goes to Denver, but speaking of the Cowboys, they've done some things I wasn't sure they were going to do. I didn't think they might, I didn't think they'd give Amari Cooper big money. I thought they would let him walk. Now, I know they spent a lot of money to get, uh, spent a lot of assets to get him in Dallas, but if you would have told me that he was going to sign for five years, $100 million, I'd have called you crazy <laughs> even as a Cowboys fan. I, I, I like Amari Cooper on our team, but I don't, I didn't think for sure Jerry Jones was going to fork over that type of money for him at all. They also franchise tag Dak Prescott. Now, I think that was more of a move to kind of evaluate. Now, if you sit here and tell me that Dak deserves $40 million a year, I'm going to call you crazy. Because if we look at it, Dak and Baker Mayfield had pretty much the same year last year. When it was time for Dak to step up, it didn't happen. And that, that's seemingly how it is. If we don't, if, if the Cow, if the Dallas Cowboys don't run Ezekiel Elliott 30 times a game and he has success, they have troubles winning. And it's unfortunate because they're a really talented team. Amari Cooper is one of the best receivers in the league. I won't say top five. I, I, I would, I would, I'll go and say in top 10. I don't don't know where where he really fits in there for me. Dak Prescott is a serviceable quarterback. No, he's not the best quarterback there is in the league, but I think for that team, he could be a really good quarterback. Michael Gallup emerged last year as a very good number two option. Obviously, I wasn't like I love Jason Witten, but I don't think he fit very well back in this team, just as slow as he kind of is now. And I hope he sees success over in Oakland where he's at now. However, I think it kind of hindered exactly the growth of Blake Jarwin and uh, I can't think of the other guy's name. Uh, oh, well, we'll move on. <laughs> Why has Jameis Winston not been signed? Now, I know I said earlier that he kind of admitted that he's never really been able to see during his time in the NFL. Now, a guy that throws 30 interceptions in a year also 
that may be a problem. So those are the two things you look at him admitting that basically he lied throughout his entire career and that he could really see, couldn't really see. He never, he said he's never really seen the full scoreboard at Raymond James Stadium. It was always a blur. So maybe that's why he's been throwing, uh, throwing so many interceptions when he's t- looking at his receiver, he just sees red and then the other team's jerseys. <laughs> so that's probably, I don't know. I think Jameis Winston is still good enough to play in the NFL. Now he might not end up being a starter, but he certainly could be a backup on any team he wants. My, my, my next, my biggest, question though with the release of cam newton last week from carolina where does he go i think he could fit well in la i with the chargers i think tyrod taylor while he could be that stopgap guy until you get until they get their guy i think they really are going to try to sell out on cam because la is not a bad team actually they were a really good team two years ago and we're looking to be one of the players in the afc west last year and maybe even give mahomes a run for his money mahomes and the chiefs a run for their money for the afc west but they just disappointed they're picking sixth in the draft this year a year after picking in the middle of the pack the year before and winning over 10 games so really what happened last year and that's why i said i thought it was philip rivers but i'm not 100 percent sure the chargers have always been hot and cold it seems like the chargers have always won 12 games or four there was there's no in between i don't feel like i've ever seen the chargers go 500 it's always good enough to make the playoffs or we're just the cleveland browns (laughs) sorry to describe it that way but that's kind of the way it is cleveland browns have been consistently three and 13, four and 12, my entire life. So that's the way I'm going to describe it. I love the Browns, but three and 13, my entire three and 13, four and 12. And lately, Owen 15, one and 16, Baker Mayfield looked to be changing that, but it, they still haven't done anything. I'm excited what they do with Kevin Stefanski this year. Where could Cam go? I think LA. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, tweet me, uh, hit me up on Facebook, do whatever you want to do. Email me. I don't care what you want to do. Just where do you think Cam will go? I think LA with the Chargers, but there there are also other options. He could go to Miami and maybe that's their turnaround quarterback. And he they give him he gives Miami a little bit of time in that rebuild to kind of stack the other players before they have to pay the quarterback. That makes a little bit of sense to me, but there's also other options, teams that don't have a quarterback that maybe don't want to rebuild. You know what I'm saying? So that's, I think Cam, I think he ends up in LA, but could be anyway. Like, uh, all right. Like I said, uh, I wanted to get back into my NFL draft, mock drafts. I told you 10 picks, 10 weeks, but I missed last week. So I'm going to give you two this week at pick number five. I think the Miami Dolphins take Justin Herbert, quarterback out of Oregon. Now, I know I said that Cam could possibly end up there, but that could only help Justin Herbert. Now, if he has to step in and start, I think he could do very well. But I also think if he took that year off, it could only make him better. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Justin Herbert, two years ago, prior to Joe Burrow's magical season this year, was thought to maybe be the number one overall pick, maybe the most pro-ready quarterback there was in all of college football. However, a disappointing start to this year uh, kind of set him back. And then he showed out the end of the year, ended up winning the Pac-12 title over undefeated Utah and almost got, got his team back into the playoffs after a strong second half of the year. And he really looked like that NFL quarterback that everyone thinks he is. And I really think he is. I think he could be, I think Joe Burrow could disappoint in the NFL. I know that's weird to say after I told you four or five weeks ago that he's going to be the number one overall pick because he is just, there's no way around that. He had the great year. Every He's had the great workouts. He has the great throwing arm stuff like that but there's got to be a reason Joe Burrow sat for so long and don't don't tell me it was oh Ohio State didn't know what they were doing because Ohio State won a national championship while Joe Burrow was on the team yeah I know I get he was young but he was he couldn't beat out JT Barrett he couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins he had to transfer to LSU who hasn't had a good quarterback since Mettenberger and what the hell did he do in the NFL LSU does never 
cover, that's really been their biggest problem. Alabama has the quarterback and LSU doesn't. So look for Alabama to get that SEC title back 100% this year. I'm not sure the kid that secedes Joe Burrow is going to be anywhere near what Joe Burrow was for LSU. So that's what the Miami Dolphins do at number five. Now, the LA Chargers, I think, take twist Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa at number six. And that's just because I think, like I said, they go after Cam Newton. Now, if if they didn't, I thought they might make a if they don't go after Cam Newton, they could they can make a play at one of these other quarterbacks, Jordan Love or Jacob Eason, I've heard a lot about out of uh Washington. But if they if they get Cam on the roster, I think they try to just make sure Cam has as much protection as possible. And I think Tristan Wirfs, who is versatile and can play right tackle and left tackle. He played right tackle the majority of his time in Iowa and looks really looked really good in works out workouts. Looked looked really good in on tape. Things like that. I think they could really try to solidify that line, just considering if they bring in Cam Newton, Cam's injury history and what he's coming back from, which is why the Carolina Panthers have moved on from Cam. As you know, he missed most all of last year. Kyle Allen was their starter for most of last year, and then they kind of experimented with Will Greer to see what they have. Decided both of guys those guys weren't the answer, brought in Teddy Bridgewater. So look for LA Chargers to add Cam Newton at quarterback this year and then Tristan Wirfs at sixth in the draft. Next week, we'll go into the seventh overall pick and what happens there. And I thank you guys. Uh, follow me on Twitter at BWardCLE. Follow me on Instagram at B.Ward52. Hit me up on Facebook, Brendan L. Ward. You'll see a picture of me and a microphone. Thank you guys. Send me all those questions I've been asking. Feel free to donate support. I know it's monthly, but $1, $5. All it does is help me build. It helps me keep an income coming in and helps me do all that. I've got a couple supporters, but I would like a lot more. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I hate asking for money, but please, it's the only way I can continue to do this, continue to make this part of my career. Yes, I want to be on radio and board or whatever, but if I could podcast for the rest of my life, I'd, I'd love to talk to you guys every single week. If I can continue and make more money out of this, I'll do it. I'll do it twice a week. I'll give you updates on everything. I'll do another podcast. Whatever you guys want me to talk about, I'll talk about. Hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, follow me on LinkedIn, all of them. Cash at me money if you want. Money B Ward 616. Feel free to cash at me some money. All it could do is help me right now in a time where I'm kind of stuck at home and don't really aren't isn't aren't really working and making bills happen, trying to make bills happen, and it's it's working right now, but it, it's not working too well for the long term. So I, I hope this works well for the long term. So all you guys could would do is help me out. Every play is more money for me. Every support is more money for me. You can support monthly. Send in your voice messages. I'll put them in the show. But again, thank you guys for listening to Any Given Podcast. This has been our tenth episode, and as I mentioned earlier, Tiger King, one of my favorite documentaries here is joe exotic taking us out with here kitty kitty have a wonderful day she was a rich woman she had rich taste she felt the blood running through her veins she liked the life she had she loved her big cats and the beauty of being a Everything was fine, just as sweet as wine, but her husband went and disappeared. But then it got a little crazy, it got a little hazy, and the cops said there's something wrong here. Oh, here, kitty, kitty, oh, mama's got some treats for you. Oh, here, kitty, kitty. Oh, my.
Treats for 